Hey, this is David Merrill, pastor of the Well Church. I would like to first thank you for downloading the app and listening to what God is doing through the life and ministry of the Well Church. I would also ask that before you listen to this message, that you would pray that God not only continues to transform lives through this ministry, but also that as you hear the Word of God proclaimed, pray that the Holy Spirit would convict you in areas that your life has not been given over to God, empower you to repent and turn, but also embolden you to be doers of the word and not simply hearers, in order that you become a light in your homes, in your schools, in your workplaces, and even in your local church body. Let us be radically in love with Jesus and radically in love with his people. Once again, I just thank you for listening and may God bless you abundantly. We have been going through the book of Ephesians and we've been seeing thus far How Paul breaks up the book of Ephesians is the first three chapters is all about doctrine. If you, it's all about who we are, the theology, the doctrine in Christ, what God has done for us. And then the last three chapters of Ephesians is all about duty. It's about how we live according to the doctrine. The doctrine, we're not here to learn theology and doctrine and just have this head knowledge of God. We're here to be transformed by the renewing of our minds that our lives are, are become based off of the doctrine and theology that we learn. We actually live out who we are, right? We actually live it out. And so Paul says, in order to live it out, the first thing he says is that we're going to walk in unity. Remember, God created you. We don't create the church. We don't decide if we're, if we're one or not. We don't figure out how we become one. We preserve unity because God created unity in the one body, in the one spirit, in the one baptism, in the one hope, in the one Lord. We all have that in common. So we preserve it through humility, meekness, gentleness, long suffering. Look, if you have pride, you're not going to be a uniter, right? If there's pride in this church, there will, will not be unity. If there's if, un, people who are impatient, there's not going to be unity. If you have a quick temper, there's not going to be unity. Paul says, preserve the unity that God created. Then he says, purity is the mortification of the flesh. Basically, how God is putting our flesh to death. The sin, look, nobody in here is sinless, but the longer that we live in Christ, we will sin less. Does that make sense? Okay, we're not sinless, but the longer we're in Christ, we will sin less. Our lives will be sanctified, purified in Christ. Okay, so unity, purity, and then we learned harmony. And that's where we are, being filled with the Spirit. Paul says, be not drunk off of wine, that's debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. And now he gets the rubber meets the road. And he's saying, look, how can you, because remember, I said this a couple weeks ago, that a lot of times we think that the testimony of being filled with the Spirit The major way that we know if we're filled with the Spirit is the gifts of the Spirit. Now, the gifts are important, but the gifts also can be seen in people who are not living according to the Spirit. You see, what Paul says and what the Bible is clear on is that the fruit of the Spirit is a life change that testifies to a change of the Spirit within you. Now, how can you say, I'm filled with the Spirit if you are bitter? Like, and I'm not talking about in this room. Like, it's easy to be Christian in this room. I grew up in the church. I know there's like a second language. You know, we come in here, praise Jesus, we're justified and sanctified and propitiated. All these words, istified and istified, and it's all the ides, right? You know, we know the language of the church. It's Christianese, right? But then we leave the church and, and, and we go to Walmart and somebody and the, and the cashier messes up our, our, you know, checks us out and is like, or the person in front of us is taking forever and the cashier's going slow. Are you bitter and angry and impatient? 
But, but David, I, I, but they deserve it. Look, are you somebody who chews out your waitress because she messed up your order? Number one, that's just dumb. Don't, don't ever mess with somebody who touches your food, y'all. Like, that's just dumb. It's just good sense. But how can you say that you're filled with the Spirit when your life, throughout your life, you're bitter, you're angry, you're impatient, you're unloving to the people that don't know you? It's easy to be Christian with people when you're supposed to be Christian. And Paul said last week, how can you women, wives, how can you say that you're filled with the Spirit when you don't have a heart to submit under the husband's leadership? Now, if you missed last week, we talked about what it is, what it is not. Okay, we don't have time to go into that. So if you missed, go back and watch the sermon, Wives, Submit Unto Your Husbands. So it was this idea that when you're filled with the Spirit, Paul says, now we take it into our home. Wives, submit unto their husbands. Wives, love your husbands. Wives, respect your husbands. Now, here's the thing. Before we continue, I didn't get the chance to talk about this last week. So I just want to say this. There is this egalitarian movement in the church today that basically says that the headship of man is not applicable today because the headship was the result of the fall. And therefore, because in Christ, we don't have headship. Now listen, that is not biblical. That actually came from this movement that people decided. This is where our women's liberation movement came out and the church, some scholars decided in order to justify and kind of make it fit with our modern culture, we need to figure out a way to make headship of man not applicable in the church today. And so that's where this egalitarian, where, where no, 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 it's, it's all because of Christ. Now it's all, we're all one, no headship, none of that. Now we are all equal. Now we learned that all last week. I'm not gonna go over that again, but this idea that there's no headship. No, the Bible is very clear. When Adam was made, he was charged to name the animals, right? So Adam sat around, named every animal, you know, cool, crazy names. And that kind of shows headship and authority, dominion over. And they say, well, that's the animals. Well, what happened when God made Eve from Adam? Who named Eve? Adam. Adam had headship dominion or authority in the sense of headship over Eve. So we see this idea of God's design in marriage. Once again, this is not a man-woman thing. This is a husband-wife thing. You're like, well, I don't like that. Well, then don't get married, okay? It's civil, okay? Just, this is what God designed for marriage to marriage to work, because remember, it's God's design. But now, okay, that was last week. Now, husbands. So like I said, women, if you're here new and you brought your husband, great job. Because this morning is for husbands, okay? So wives, you could chill. You could take a nap. I know you're tired, all the kids. Take a nap. This morning, we're going to be talking about husbands and their role in marriage, okay? Husbands, now listen. Husbands, I'm going to try to be as easy as I can on y'all. But coming from a husband, I feel like I can have the, I could actually be harder on you than I was on your wives. But our role as husbands is a lot tougher, is a lot greater in responsibility than it is the wives. Okay? Remember, when we're talking about marriage, it's the illustration of the church and Jesus, right? Who's the church in the illustration? The wives, right? The wives are the church submitting to Christ. How the wives submit to the husband is the way the church should submit to Christ. Who is Christ in this illustration? Husbands, 
Husbands are to illustrate Christ. Talk about, talk about big standards. You know? Like, this is not something, oh, I get to place Jesus today. No. Like, that should, that should, every husband in here should like, what? I didn't sign up for that. Yes, you did. You put a ring on it. You did. Now, listen, this is where grace comes in place. Listen, husbands, wives, okay? We talked about this last week, but we're going to talk about it again. Grace, so wives, check back in. Grace is so important. Look, wives, you guys aren't all pancakes and roses as well, okay? Like, you guys messed up. And so husbands, we need to have grace as they are trying and striving to be godly wives and godly women and godly mothers. We have grace with them. Wives, listen, you got to have more grace with us husbands, okay? We are striving to be godly men and godly leaders and godly fathers, but there's got to be grace in the household. Okay, this is not, oh, well, you're not doing your, no, there's got to be grace, there's got to be love, there's got to be humility in all of this. Now, because look, I get it, husbands, men in this room, not every one of us had godly examples to follow, right? I, I, mean, I was blessed. My father, he was a godly man, he was a godly father, he was a godly husband. I got to watch 27 years, I got to watch my father love my mom and love his kids and be a godly father and lead by God. See, some of us didn't have that, and I get that. Now, some of us, we had a father in the house, and he was a good father, but he wasn't a godly father. There's a difference. Like, you would say, my father was a good father. He provided for me, he did everything right, but he wasn't a godly, he wasn't leading from the word of God, he wasn't leading from the biblical perspective, he wasn't leading from a God. Some of us had bad fathers. Some of us had no fathers. And so having this idea, now for many of us, we're just trying to do better than our father did or do better than we were raised. But look, this morning, we're gonna take away every every bit of excuse because every single one of us whether you had an earthly father that was good or bad or godly or not every single one of us fathers we have the greatest example of what it is to be a godly husband and a godly father in the scriptures so regardless of your upbringing and who your dad was we have the word of god and that is to be our example as men deal deal okay now once again wives as I said to the husbands, you're not sitting here with a checklist. You're not writing these down. You're not sitting at home. What David said, okay, like you remember what David, point number three, David said, you know, none of that, okay, go to sleep, all right? This is for men. Now, wives, you want to change your husbands. Look, listen, nagging will never work. I promise you, you will get an immediate reaction with nagging. Right, husbands? Because we don't want it. It drives us crazy. It's nails on a chalkboard. You nag at us, we will give you what you want. Physically. Okay? We're like, okay, whatever, stop. Okay, take it. Right? We're going to give you what you want. But we will have not the right heart. It will not be out of love for you. And often, if it keeps, continues, it's going to build up resentment. And it's going to breed a whole kind of thing that you don't want it to be. You may get the temporary answer you're looking for. I may do the dishes. But... It ain't going to be in the right heart, which will eventually lead to something else. Now, I'm not saying that's right, but I'm just saying, nagging, nag you want to change your man? Wives, you got the greatest weapon ever. Prayer. My wife and God have this whole, this plan to mold me into the image my wife wants me to be in, okay? Honestly, I, and I say that, it's not just, oh, prayer, like, oh, yeah. No, seriously, like, I, honestly, she'll tell you, go talk to her after. If there's anything I'm doing or not doing, all my wife does is she stops and prays for me. 
like like any like family worship. Like, like she's been wanting us to do family worship forever. And I'm like, I don't, that's kind of, you know, cheesy. In fact, I went over to, to Daniel and Jess's house and Daniel's doing family worship. And I'm like, that's cheesy. And my wife, she's like, no, I want that. And, and she, she said it to me, but then I was like, ah, whatever, you know, that's, that's just, that's a seller thing. Um, uh, but she just prayed and prayed and prayed. And like days and weeks later, I'm like, babe, you know what God has been doing with me? I really want to do family worship. And she's like, and she just, so wives, you want to change your husband, pray for them. I promise you, a, a prayers of a righteous wife is powerful and effective, okay? I know that's what the Bible says, righteous person, but righteous wife, just take it. Okay, so let's jump in the word of God, and we're going to see what a husband, godly man looks like. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25. Husbands. Love your wives just like Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having a spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one has ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined with his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself and let his wife see that she respects her husband. So once again, we're doing things God's way, okay? God's way. So the marriage was ordained by God, created by God. We didn't make marriage. We didn't design marriage, which means that marriage is not our idea, which means that we don't get to decide how marriage operates. If we want to do it God's way, we do it God's way, right? We said this last week. It's the manufacturer. He designed it. He created it. We follow the instructions. The men, we're talking to you. We don't like following instructions. We just throw it out. Give me a picture and we'll do it that way. Here is the one time in your life that we need to follow the instruction manual if we want it to be healthy. Last week we saw wives, what's your job? Love, respect, submit. (laughs) So it's funny how we forget that one. Love, submit, and respect. That's what we saw, the three for the wives. This morning, once again, just like the wives, we're going to see dwell with our wives. We're going to see honor our wives, and we're going to see love our wives. Dwell, honor, and love. And just like we said last week, we had to go outside of this text because, once again, this text is used to kind of really just simplify our relationship with each other. It's like just we get to husband's love, wife's submit. No, it goes deeper than that. So I want to actually be in 1 Peter real quick. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7, it says this, Husbands, likewise, dwell with your wives with understanding. Now, that's just the first part. Now, 1 Peter chapter 3, the first six verses are all to the wives, and then the one verse, chapter verse 7, is to the husband. And this one carries a big punch. Husbands, likewise, dwell with them with understanding. Just as last week, remember, what are the three greatest responsibilities of love for the wife? God, husband, children. It's not even close, right? It's not even close. It is God above all, 
husbands, wives. Same thing with husbands, guys. And I, know this, I don't want to harp on this too much, but it's, we need to because as husbands, our desire is to please our wives, right? Even at the sake, at forsaking what is best for them and the family. What I mean by that is our desires is to make them happy. But our desires, just as God's desire for you is not to make you happy, what's God's desire for you? To make you holy. God doesn't care, but God's main goal with you is not to say, oh, I want his happiness. No, I want your holiness. And husbands, if God is not first, we can fall into this trap of my job is to bring happiness to my wife. No, your job is not to bring happiness to your wife. Your job is to lead from holiness. Your job is that sometimes you will do things that, and this is where it comes to falls into place. It is much easier when I walk into my home as a father and the kids are screaming and my wife is stressed. It is a lot easier to say, guys, whatever, what do you want? I want to watch TV. Okay, turn the TV on. What do you want? I want a nap. Okay, what do you want? I want food. Okay, baby, I'll mix you some food. And, and I can just do whatever everybody wants and just, just, everybody just stop screaming. Or... I come in and I lead from a sense of holiness, at least from the sense of God, of purity, and I lead not to give everybody what they want, but what, what do I do? I lead from the position that I'm called to lead from. See what I'm saying? But this only comes if God is first. Husbands, first thing on your list, love God above everything else. Husbands, do you spend time with God? Do you spend every day, do you spend some time in the Word? Do you spend time with God in prayer? The Bible says, okay, so now we love God, but he says, dwell with your wives. Now, this word dwell is actually a physical dwelling. It's, some scholars say it's like the cohabitation, but it's this physically being physically and mentally present, dwelling in the same place with your wife. Dwell with your wife. Now, you could be at home, husbands, and not be at home. You know what I'm saying? That's my biggest thing. Like, <laughs> Me and my wife will sit in the living room, and I'll, we'll be in the, I'll be at home. And if I'm going to sit on my Instagram, and she's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm looking at dog videos. Like, what, what do you mean, what am I doing? And she's talking to me. I'm not present because I'm looking at these, you know, uh, these dumb videos, waste of my life. And it's like, I could be at home. Some of us, we could be at home, but rather, we'd much rather be golfing. We'd much rather be playing sports or watching sports. or like, We would rather be doing these things, hanging out with our friends. Some of us would rather be at work than be at home. Right? We can be at home but not be present. The Bible says, dwell with your wife. Be present. Be physically and mentally there. Dwell with your wife. But he says, with, this is a key, with understanding. I love this. Dwell, be present with understanding. Husbands, we need to know our wives. See, one of the biggest like, stereotypes that we as, you know, in American culture is like, oh, man, we just can't ever understand our wives. Women, right? That's all you got to say, women, right? And that means they're un- you can't understand them. They're impossible. And men, we like that because it gives us the opportunity and the excuse to be lazy. Because, man, I, I, don't under- I don't understand that woman. I just don't get her. But the Bible says, no, we need to dwell with her understandingly to know her. And having knowledge of husbands, I once heard it said, we need to be students of our wives. We need to study our wives. Wives, I told you to be quiet. All right, you guys are sleeping. All right, <laughs> sleeping. 
And, and, and here's the thing, and, and I once heard it said, I love this illustration, but it's like we are graduating from, some of us have a high school uh, diploma with our wives. Like, we know the basics. I know what color she likes. What's her favorite color? I know what kind of food she likes, right? I, I know her favorite, you know, what, what kind of shoes she wears. What kind of, if I was going to buy her some clothes, I know what, what, what um, you know, size she is, right? Like, I know those kind of things, the basics, you know, high school graduation. But then we start to work and we get to that bachelor's, y'all. Some of us know some deeper things of our wives. We know some of her fears. We know some of her dreams. We know some of her worries. We know some of those deeper parts. And then some of us in this room, y'all been married. And once again, it has nothing to do with time. Because I met some men that have been married for a long time, and they still don't know what color is, you know. Ah, you know? But some of us, we've been married for a while, and we've studied our wives, and we have a doctorate on our wives. I know this woman. I know what her fears are. I know, I know what her dreams are. I know, I know what her temptations are. And I'm able to spot them before she even spots them. So I'm able to protect her as the husband and make sure the temptations don't even come her way. I, I'm starting to see that in my own life. I'm picking that up in my own life. Not to brag, you know, but um, I, you know, there are things, you know, where I know will trigger my wife and bring temptation into sinning, into, into despair or anxieties and worries. And so I protect her from those things that I see that are unnecessary for her to know that I have to be the brunt of and that's fine but i'm protector because I, I know where it's going and so it's that getting the doctorate in our wives knowing but then some of us were high school dropouts it's like we we tried when we were dating right we gave the big the best effort because you know you that's the only way to get married to them. <laughs> I got to show, show off when we're dating and then all of a sudden once you get married or once you get engaged you're like ah, i'm done that's good enough, <laughs> you know. What's your favorite color? Nah, I don't know, but I know she loves me. Mm. Hey, wife, what are you doing there? You know, it's like, that's what we do, right? It's like we, we have this mentality that I don't understand that woman. I do my thing. She does her things, and we meet up in the, at night in the bed. It's like, <laughs> The Bible says, no, 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 no. Husbands, listen. Get rid of the excuses. Pay attention. If you need, if, you, if we're one of those, oh, I can't forget, I can't remember, write it down. I know that sounds like cheesy, but man, get a, this is my wife study guide, right? And just like put it on your phone and say, what is my favorite, what's my wife's clothes size, favorite color? Put it down. I mean, Y'all can have a cheat sheet, but pay attention. Observe, no. Pay attention. Dwell with your wife with understanding. But Peter goes on in that same verse. That's not the whole verse. He goes on. He says, giving honor to your wives as to the weaker vessel and as being heirs together of the grace of life that your prayers may not be hindered. Okay. So now it's husbands. Your first job is to dwell with your wives. Your second job is to honor your wives. Now it says as, listen, this is key. This is as a weaker vessel vessel. Look at what it doesn't say. It doesn't say as the weak vessel, okay? To, to say that it's the weak vessel is to say who's the strong vessel. That's not what it says. It says as the weaker vessel, which means that who's also weak? Husbands. We are both weak in all of this, y'all. But she is the weaker in the sense we don't really know what Peter had in mind. It could be physically, just generically physically weaker, Right? I know this is, this is all like politically incorrect to say a man's physically stronger than a woman, but you know, I mean, 
What do we say? I mean, now, husbands, if your wife can beat you in arm wrestling, we can have a talk. But, um, but, but generically, physical, it could be emotional. I don't Because kind of honoring carries with this emotional taxation where wives tend to be more emotionally driven, where husbands more rationally driven. And so there's an idea of bearing the brunt of the, the rational and logical. We're going to talk about it in a second. They could carry with that. Now, this is just generically. Some women, I know some women in this church that are more logical and their husbands are more emotional. So we don't know what Peter has in mind here as far as the weaker, but we do know that Peter says to, as the weaker vessel, we need to honor our wives. You know what the word honor means? It means to cherish as a treasure. To treasure your wives. Husbands, do you treasure your wives? Like, honestly, is she the the greatest gift that God has ever given me besides my salvation is that woman over there working with my children. That is the greatest gift, that treasure, that woman. Now, now, this is much more. This is much more than just saying, oh, yeah, of course, I treasure my wife. She's amazing. You're awesome, babe. You're my treasure, my everything. And then your whole life is set up where you, get, you go to work, you do your hobbies. When you're home, you're checked out. You're watching TV. You're doing on Instagram, whatever. You go to the gym. You're never, everything else takes priority. And then whenever you're ready to go to bed, then, oh, I cherish you, baby. You're my treasure. Guys, no, no, no. Do we honor her? Is she everything? Do we serve her? Like, do we honestly put everything else aside? Like, no, hobbies, the gym, everything else. If I have time to spend, are we planning dates with the wife? Are we cherishing? Are we showing her that she is everything? She is our, she is our diamond. That's a huge calling. Because she is. Look at her. She's, not only is she she's prettier than you. God made that that way, but she's sweeter, she's kinder, she's gentle. This is your treasure. Now listen though, husbands, this is where it gets kind of, oh, with Peter, is Peter says, so that it may not hinder your prayer life. So if you think that you're going to treat your wife, not dwell with her, ignore her all day long, all week long, not lead her, not love her, not treasure her, not take, you know, and even sometimes God forbid, speak negatively towards her and abuse her verbally or even physically. If you think that you're going to be able to do that and then go to God and say, God, I love you. God, please. God's not listening to you. God's like, you know, you want me to hear your answer, your prayers. You better make it right with your wife. You better get back to serving and loving your wife. You better get back to honoring your wife because that's the bride. That's the treasure that I gave you. And if you're not doing that, I am not listening. That's my daughter, bro. Look, if one of y'all kids marry my daughter and he mistreats her and then, hey, comes to me like, hey, you my homeboy, David. I'm not, uh-uh, bro. Some of y'all fathers with older kids can more applicable, like who got married off. Like, imagine your daughter's husband all just misfusing your daughter. And then you want something from me? I'll give you something. <laughs> like, you want something from me? You want to come to me like nothing? No, uh God says, cherish, so your prayers are... So now we get to... Okay, husbands, what's your first, your first responsibility? Love God. Dwell, well, love God. But then as a husband, dwell. Second, honor. And then third, this is where the main crux of it is is to love. Husbands, love your wives. It's love. Now, there's four words for love. Now, in in the English, we have this kind of hard 
time with love because we could say, I love my car, I love my house, I love my dog, and I love my wife. Now, hopefully your love for your dog is different than your love for your wife, but we have one word and we just use love. Now, in the Bible, in the Greek, there's four words. There's eros, which is a sexual love. It's, it's kind of uh, uh, um, sexualized love, eros, just uh, passionate love. Then you have storge, which is uh, family love, which is, you know, you have with your brothers and sisters. And then you have phileo love, which is brotherly love. And that's where, you know, why Philadelphia is the city of brotherly love. It's the kind of love that you have for your friends, right? The Just that brotherly love. And then there is agape or agape love. And what's interesting is that every other love is a giving and receiving. Eros is a receiving love. It's a sexual love. Storge is a, is a receiving love. It's a family give and receive. Agape or phileo, give and receive. But agape or agape is a giving or is a giving and giving and giving. Agape is a selfless love. Even when they are not loving you, you love. Even when they are nagging you, you love. Even when they are mean or grouchy or not talking to you, you love. Even when they're at fault, you love. Even when they're not lovely, you love. Right? You see, this is where it all comes, boils down to. This is where it all boils down to because I said like the, the higher calling here is you are Christ in this relationship. And so when we are looking at Christ in the church, while we have rejected God, we have ran to other women in this relationship with God, we have chased after idols, we have done all kinds of things against God, and what does Jesus do? He loves, he loves, he loves, he loves. He selflessly loves. You see, one of the, one of the things that should never come from the mouth of a husband is, well, that's not fair. Husbands, never, yeah. You take and you love and you give and you give and you give and you give. You love as Jesus loved even when your wife is not being lovable. What is love in the Bible? Love is this. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. Love is not puffed up. Love does not behave rudely. It does not seek its own. Once again, it's selfless. It does not provoke. It thinks no evil. It does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things and believes all things and hopes in all things and endures all things. Think about this. Does your relationship with your wife, does your love relationship, is that reflecting there? Is that what it looks like? Because that's the love that we're called. And, and some of you guys are thinking, I can't do that. Some of you, I get it. I can't love like that. I can't love and just keep taking and being the punching bag in my mind. I can't keep loving and loving and loving and loving without retaliating. I can't do that. Here's the thing. You can't. You can't. That's why Paul began this whole section with what? Be filled with the Spirit. Husbands, you're not going to love your wife sacrificially if you're not filled with the Spirit. You can't. 
At the end of the day, after working all day long, your job is just beginning. After all day long, working all day long and coming home, you're not going to be able to love your wife unless you stop right there and God say, right in the parking lot, say, God, fill me with your spirit and let me enter into this home and love my wife. Because the way that we love her is sacrificially. Paul says this, just as Christ also loved the church and gave herself up. So we sacrificially love our wives. What did Christ do for the church? He died for the church, Right? He laid his pride, his rights, his thing for the church. Now, husbands, I don't know a husband in this room or in this, really, that I've ever met that said, I will not die for my, I would die for my wife. I would take a bullet for my wife. Right, husband? Like, I don't know a husband in this room that want to say, yeah, I would, I, would, I would die for my wife. Like, something happened to my wife or my kids, I would take a bullet, right? You know, and then your wife says, hey, can you wash the dishes? No, but I'll die for you. You know, hey, hey, baby, can, can, you, can you help me with this? Can you, just, can you just rub my back? Give me a massage without expecting anything in return. No, but I'll take a bullet. I'll jump in front of a speeding train. Hey, can you just watch Downton Abbey with me? Just for, nah, no, but I'd die for you. See, to, to die for our wives, to be selfless for our wives, is not just, oh, I will physically die. No, it's I, I die to my rights. I sacrifice my rights. I, I lay it all down. I selflessly become the giver, the love of the lover in this relationship. I selflessly lay everything down for the sake of my wife. Husbands, are we willing to do that? What else does Jesus do sacrificially? He right now, what's he doing for his bride? He's interceding for him. So he's praying for the church. Do we pray for our brides? Right now, like have we think about this past week? How often did you pray for your wife this week? How many times did we just stop and say, you know what, God, give her strength, give her wisdom. Like she's, she's whether she's leading my family and, or raising my kids and teaching the kids at, at home or whatever she's doing, give her wisdom, give her strength as she is striving to be the godly wife that she is called to be, the godly mother. She's, give her knowledge. Father, I just pray over her. I pray for protection. I pray for wisdom. I pray for purity over my bride. I, how often are we praying? So we sacrifice for our wives. But the second thing, the way that we love our wives, so we, we love through sacrifice, we also love through sanctity. Paul says this, he says that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of the water by the word that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So we sanctify our words. Now the word sanctify, saint, sanctify, and holy are all the same word in the Greek, and it means to set apart. We read the word of God over our wives. We are sanctifying. The word sanctify is this idea of they are growing. I said, not everybody, nobody's sinless, but we're all sinning less and sinning less and sinning less. And your wife is growing in her sanctification. She's growing to the image of God. Let me ask you, husbands, I want, this is a serious question. Are you aiding your wife and helping your wife grow in holiness, is she growing because of you or in spite of you? Is she? This week I had to dwell on that. And I, and I, I even asked my wife, I went home and I said, babe, be honest with me. Do you feel like you're growing because of me or in spite of me? Like, are we 
Setting the, 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 the climate of our house of the word of God. Are we reading the word of God? Are we do, leading the house through the lens of the word of God? Are we reading scripture over our bride and teaching her and speaking to her and doing Bible studies with her? Are we dragging our family to church and being the leaders in that? Are we doing all of that? Are our wives kind of leading all of that and they're growing in holiness in spite of us? Do we become the normal man where our wives are doing all the holy work, our wives are doing all the spiritual work? Husbands, do we prioritize the, the word? Girls who are not married, okay? Even if you're dating, you're not married, okay? I'm talking to you guys, okay? Do you prioritize the word of God? And when you're looking for a man, are you looking for a man who prioritizes the word of God? Because if you're looking for a man who is good looking and he's nice and he's kind and, you know, he's got a nice body, you know, if, if you're looking for a man because he's got a nice six pack, right? Okay. Uh, you know, and then if he loves God and prioritizes the word, that's a byproduct. That's great. That's awesome. But the, he's got a six pack. Guess what happens when you prioritize a six pack on a man? You get married to him, and he becomes a man who prioritizes having a six-pack. And that shocks us. But is that priority? Like, are we prioritizing? Do we want a man who loves God, who loves the word? Husbands, are we prioritizing the word of God? And once again, it's not about being a Bible scholar and having to know all the word and having memorized all stuff. That's not what we're talking about. What we're talking about is somebody who not only knows the truth and loves the word of God, but here's the thing. Everything you're doing in, in the house is through the lens of Scripture. Remember I talked about in high school, we wore those beer goggles that you had the lens of being drunk, and you had kind of like, I don't know if you guys ever did that, but the D.A.R.E. team came in and gave us those beer goggles. Well, that's what he's talking about, is having the glasses, the goggles, and Paul says this, goggles of the Word, like the Word, you're seeing everything through the Word of God. And so as fathers, as husbands, when you are disciplining your children, you're disciplining through the lens of the Word. When you and your wife are sitting down making decisions, you're making a decision not based off of what the world thinks, not based off of what you think would be the best outcome or what is right in your eyes. You're basing it on the word of God. And so that means that when you're making a decision in your house, you're leading from that platform. You're saying, okay, I don't know the answer. Let's, let us take us, go to the word of God and let's study it and let's pray through the word. And you're setting a climate. You're setting an example. You're setting the standard in your house that, look, all you guys, you can make decisions based off of how you feel. You can watch and fill your house with all kinds of garbage. You could be brainwashed. You could do, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And we're making decisions based off the word of God, the word of truth. Everything we do is through the lens of scripture. Husbands, if you don't set the climate through the word, hear me, we are setting the climate. Just because you're not actively setting the climate in the word of God, you are still setting the climate because that's your God-given role. And you're setting the climate of whether it's laziness or we're setting the climate of our wives are the leaders or we're setting the climate of our wives are the ones who do study the Bible and we just kind of sit back and we do our own thing and we read, we watch news or we watch, the, you know, we're, the, the, we're whatever. We're setting a climate because God gave you that role and God gave you that job. And so are we washing our wives with the word of God? I, I can't tell you how many times I have had wives come in because my wife is really, she, she is connected to a lot of women and she's this amazing woman. But so many wives come into our house and I, I sit there you know, on my, my recliner while she has wife crying on the dinner table. And I just have to listen to how husbands, their husband doesn't, is not, living by the word is not trusting in the word is not leading from the word and 
And every time I'm, they make a decision, I'm trying to submit to them, but they're just making decisions that are not according to the word. They're doing it by their own flesh. And the, the wives grieve to my wife. Because husbands, our wives are longing for this. And like I say this not to bash us, but to, to encourage us. But all it takes is for us to say, you know what? We're done leading our way. We just want to read. The, and our wives may be smarter than you in the word. That's fine. Some of you are thinking, my wife is amazing. She's been studying the word for a long time. She knows more about it. That's okay. You're going to grow and you're going to change that. You're going to read the word. But here's the thing. Start. And your job is not to be the smartest in the house. Your job is to set the standard of the house, that the word of God is the foundation of the house. And so we're going to go to the word. We're going to go to the word. And you're going to study it together tonight. Guys, pick a book of the Bible, you and your wives, when the kids are asleep. And just say, we're going to read one chapter a day just together. We don't have to like have the theologian conversation and what does this mean? We're just going to read. And if conversation draws out of it, then awesome. But if not, then that's okay. Okay, so bathe your word. Cleanse your, word, your wife with the word of God. Okay, so sacrifice, sanctify, and then uh, thirdly, he says this, that we are to love our wives with affection. So husbands, you ought to love your wives as their own body. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of the body of the flesh and of his bones. Okay, so love your wife as your own body. Now, husbands, when you're cold, what do you do? Put a jacket on. When you're tired, what do you do? Sleep. When you're hungry, what do you do? Right? Paul says, okay, affection, that we are to love our wives as our own body, which means that when my wife, we are to, once again, head knowledge, live with her, dwell with her, knowing, knowing my wife, but I am to love her as if she was my own body. This doesn't mean, I'm not going to get inappropriate, but this doesn't mean that I'm to love her the way that I want to be loved right? I'm to, you know, this is, men have a problem with this. I do try to love her, right? Every night in bed, she just doesn't want that. Maybe because you smell, okay? Maybe because you haven't loved her as your own body all day long. Maybe because you, you didn't even pay attention to her all day long, or you loved her the way that you wanted to be loved, right? When she asked you for a massage, you thought, okay, yeah, no, Okay, just love. But see, here's the three things that our wives need. The three things that your wife needs. She needs security. Listen, husbands, your wife needs to feel like she is secure, not just physically having a home over her head. I promise you, you want to make a wife insecure, take away her home. Okay, that's why they call it nesting when they have, like right now my wife is nesting and I have a honey-do list. But there's security in a home. But listen, this is, the, this is probably the most important. Your wife needs to make sure that she feels secure in her heart and with her mind. Your wife needs to make sure that she can entrust you with her heart and you're not going to jump on it and spit it down, beat it down, that she can trust you, have that security, the vulnerability. She needs to know that she can speak her mind with you and you're going to deal with it gently and you're going to love her and that she, you are a safe place. You are a safe place providing security for your wife. But then she also needs affection. And this is not the one moment at night affection. This is all day long, your wife needs affection. She needs to know that she's cherished by your, your words. 
She needs to know that she's your treasure by the way that you act. Are you setting up time to, to just spend time with her? Are you making her a priority? Does she feel like you are a priority above everything else other than God? Even your work. Are you like saying, you know what, calling her in the middle of the day. And it doesn't mean, you, I know you got to work middle of the day. Man, I would much rather be with you, babe. I just miss you all day. All day I was just thinking about you. Or right in the middle of lunch, hey, I'm just thinking about you. I'd rather be with you than be here. And then thirdly, your wife needs communication. Now, I know this is true with my wife. We do a Bible study or a study every Sunday night, or we were, and when we don't do it, she feels like we're disconnected because we're not communicating to each other, and she doesn't know what's going on in my mind, in my heart, in my life, and she wants to feel communicated, and that goes back to safety and security, and that we are one in one body. Husbands, right now, tonight, plan a date night romantic something today go on a romantic date do something that lets your wife now this is not just a one thing oh i did it last week david i did what you said i'm saying start today because your wife needs to know okay that you love her that you are pouring out affection for her. and then finally this is this is the last thing okay this is the last thing that we're going to see it says for this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and the two shall become one flesh Okay, so we love our wives through sacrifice. We love our wives through sanctity. We love our wives through affection. And now we love our wives exclusively. I feel like this shouldn't have to be said, but I feel like it does need to be said. Husbands, the Bible says that a leader is the husband of one wife, is a one-woman man. That's the leader of the church, but I believe we're all called to be leaders in the house. And so listen, you are a one-woman man. I was sitting in a room, and we were, it was a couple people, and we were watching TV, and this commercial comes on, and this girl pops up, and it was like, I don't know, it was like a Burger King commercial. I don't know why the half-naked women got to sell cheeseburgers. It doesn't make any sense. But this girl comes out, and, and this man with his wife standing right there, oh, she's hot. I was like, yeah, gross. Husbands, and this is not just, oh, I don't say it in front of my wife, but I, oh, I, I, I'm not, oh, I hate this. I hate this. I hate this. I don't ever say this around me. I'm not touching. I'm just looking. This is window shopping. Husbands, listen, if that comes out of your mouth, I'm going to do your wife a favor and slap you in the face. Okay? Because we are one woman men. Our eyes are on our wives. And I'll tell you, that's why we see a lot of issues in, 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 because a lot of husbands are now stuck on pornography. They're stuck on other kind of stuff, lusting and looking at other women and looking at other women. And all of a sudden, they're comparing this, their wife to other women. And their wives know. Their wives know. They know what you're doing. They know what you're sitting on the computer looking at. They know. And you don't think that that's, that hurts them and makes them feel like I'm not secure in my own home, that I'm not good enough for this, I'm not the treasure of this man? Oh, no, but the world says, no, this is healthy. This is going to spice up your relationship. No, it's not. It's going to make a woman feel insecure about herself and the husband feel, once again, prideful. And it's all selfishness because you're just gratifying your own flesh. You're living for yourself. You're not loving in selflessness. We love one woman. Our eyes are for one woman. No other woman gets these eyes. And women, wives, wives, I'm going to say this. Once again, check back in, okay? You are your husband's wife. 
I'm going to say this as gently as I possibly can because it's going to be so countercultural. You are not everybody else's eye candy. And I'm not saying that this, the men need to, you know, because there's this common practice of like women will do whatever and dress however they want. And then they'll say, well, it's the men's fault. Yes, to some extent. But you keep throwing your goodies out there and expecting men to say, I mean, well, you want every man to just do this? I mean, that's really where it's becoming nowadays. Honestly, it's, it's especially when, you know, as every man is going to keep his head down because I'm trying to be faithful to my wife, one woman, but, uh, you know. And look, I'm not saying you got to like dress in like a burqa and like come in here with a long baggy stuff. But look, I'll say this, like, I'd rather closer to that than closer to, you know, walking around in a bikini. Does that make sense? I hope you guys take that well. Because I think that, I think that we, we, we've gotten way off and we got caught up in our culture and think, well, this is appropriate and this is appropriate and this is okay, this is okay. God, look, you guys are God's children and you guys are treasures and you guys are cherished and your husband loves you, but you are your husband's wife. And look, I, I thank God for a wife who, who understands that because, man, I get to see that woman. I don't want to be inappropriate, but that's my wife. Any y'alls. And that's, that's my wife. And so I just, I pray, pray that that's, that's received well because it's already hard enough for husbands to be in this day and age, to be a one-woman man. So godly women, let's help our husbands in that. Let's help our husbands in that. But ultimately, so we love our wives. Okay, what's the four things? What's the four things? Love our wives through sacrifice, sanctifyingly, right? Affectionately and what is it? Uh, exclusively. Okay, I was just trying to the word. Exclusively. All right, let's read the last verse and we're done. This is the great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself and let his wife see that she respects her husband. So, guys, this is marriage. Now, I will say this. Satan hates marriage. That's why Satan has been trying to go after marriage. That's why we have defined marriage on anything, everything. You can, this, you know, uh, same sex, can be married. This is marriage. I was talking to a guy at the gym, you know. It's funny because all morning long, that uh, side note, all morning long I was praying, God, I want you to give me the love that you have for people. And, and I want to learn how to communicate like Jesus communicated to the people that are on the fringe that are so far off. And, and so just give me, the ability to communicate in love, but in truth. Never negate truth for the sake of love. Well, that, that I pray in this all day long. I'm praying this. And that night, I'm working out, and I see this guy, and I start, new guy, I never met him. And I say, hey, man, what's your name? And we start talking, and I was like, hey. We start talking about kids, and he's like, oh, I got three kids. And then he goes on, and he says, yeah, I got three kids, um, two with, a, with my ex, uh, ex-wife or whatever. But then I have, you know, one with my wife now, and she's a lesbian, and then we have fun. And, and then when my wife wants me to have a relationship with, this woman because she wants this you know to be a mama of our kids and we have and she i'm like i'm like we are on way different lifestyles i don't i don't even know what to say but i'm like those i'm praying god how do i speak to this person in a way that's loving like she's i prayed it i mean like i'm expecting like like give me a tax collector or something come on like <laughs> this is this is beyond my this is beyond my my talent and abilities uh but 
we have all, all that to say is like we have kind of redefined it and Satan has been going after it. We've destroyed it. We're manipulating and molding it. But, but the truth is, is God has designed marriage as goes the marriage, so goes the culture because God has designed marriage to be the foundation of a society. And so if we're going to do this the right way, we've got to do it God's way. And it may be challenging. It may be difficult. But listen, the first and only way that you can do this, to be a husband who loves his wife this way, or a wife that submits and respects her husband this way, the only way that this is possible is you have to be saved first. You have to have the very Spirit of God living in you. You can't do this in a humanitarian way. You're not going to be able to do it just by being a good husband and, and having a to-do list of this is what I need to do. It's got to start first and foremost with your submission and surrenderance to God and believe and faith in what Christ has done for you. So if you're not started with that this morning, that's where we need to start with. If you're not a man that sees the need for Jesus to be the center of your marriage, then we need to start there because you will never, ever love your wife the way you're supposed to if you don't start with a love for Jesus supremely. Can't do it. And so if that is already a foundation, but you have not lived this call, then what I want you to do today, every husband probably should be doing this. Um, at least that's what I did all week with my wife, is first of all, start with a repentance, a heart of repentance. Today, look at your wife, and you can even do it right now, but you could also get alone. Looking at your wife and just repent, husbands. I'm sorry, I've not loved you the way that you deserve and the way that God called me to. Not even the way that you deserve, but the way that God has called me to love you because none of us deserve this. I've not cherished you as a treasure. I'm sorry that my eyes have wandered at times. I'm sorry for all of these. I'm not giving you the safety and security. I lay this down. Today, I am promising you that I will strive. I won't be perfect, but I will strive to be the godly husband that I'm called. And wives, looking at your husbands, and said, I am sorry that I have not submitted and respected and loved you the way God has called me to. And that we will strive together to be a marriage based on God's standards. God's way, because we want to see God's blessing on this marriage. And together, you will be godly parents to your children, putting them third, way down the line, with God first, each other second, and these kids last.